Hey everybody, you probably already know this if you heard the last episode, but I had an issue with the memory card I use for my recorder. It was the same card I've been using for almost a decade, and it finally just crapped out on me, which means the last episode and this episode, I had to resort to backup versions of the interview. The full interview is still here, I didn't lose any of the content, it just means that the recording quality is slightly lower than you may have come to expect from Witch Police Radio, specifically when it comes to my end of the conversation. And this is one of my favorite episodes I've done in a while, so I strongly encourage you to check it out. But just a heads up that starting with the next episode, things are getting back to normal, and I have a new memory card, and everything's in working order. If you're like me, you probably have a closet full of local band merch. And whether you know it or not, a lot of that band merch was probably made by Divine Shirt Company right here in Winnipeg. Divine Shirt Company has made all of the Great Witch Police merch from our hoodies to our toques to our t-shirts. And if you're looking to get anything done, like screen printing, embroidery, graphic design, digital printing, go to see Divine Shirt Company at divineshirtcompany.ca and tell them which police radio sent you. One of our colleagues, Sam Thompson, who, um, if you saw him, you'd sort of right away assume he was a hippie. Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Which police radio? All right, welcome to Witch Police Radio. I'm here with a guest who is new to the show and relatively new to me. I think that, um, as I told you sort of when we first started talking, I, I, I like to go through Bandcamp and, and find anything tagged with Winnipeg. And your record was one of the records that I found. And I was I, I made a mental note, like I should reach out to this person and see if he wants to be on the show. And then, you know, as Luckett would have it, you reached out to me. So it worked out. But um, I think the best way to start this off, because you have a very uh, extensive history as a musician and as a music educator and, and all these different roles, if you want to introduce yourself and just give a, you know, a Cole's Notes kind of background uh, about what you've done as an artist and, and what you do now. Sure. Yeah. Happy to. Thanks so much for having me. It's really fun. Um, yeah. My name is Ben Reimer and uh, I'm from here in Winnipeg. Um, spent a lot of time kind of back and forth between here and Montreal since about the mid nineties. Okay. Um, and uh, I'm a drummer and a percussionist. Um, and I, I guess what I'm mostly known for these days is my particular approach to the drum kit, um, which has kind of been focusing on in the last 15 years or so, which has been to work with composers who are interested in uh, writing uh, fully composed works for the instrument, so notated um, uh, pieces and uh, performing as a soloist or playing with like an orchestra in a, in a concerto setting in a concert hall or in operas or like different uh, chamber music, um, experimental stuff with videos and, and that sort of thing. But sort of taking the, the drum kit from where we know, what we kind of generally associate it uh, to be a part of as like a timekeeper in bands yeah. and, um, and in sort of, and a massive sort of voice within popular music in as a whole over the last hundred years or so, but um, not so much as a classical, you know, instrument is for, it's a horrible word to use, but um, 
but bringing it into that setting a little bit and exploring the potential of that and sort of yeah. through that i've uh developed some important relationships with um composers and also ensembles that have kind of allowed me to tour around the world and and make some records and things and and play play this instrument and a bunch of other percussion as well but well, I'm glad you kind of brought up the 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 concept of, of taking the drums away from what people sort of assume they are as an instrument, because I think that that's um, you know, the idea of I know you said classical is kind of a not not the, not the best word for it, but <laughs> yeah, a drum set in that context, just in the first place, I think to a lot of people is is kind of a surprise or kind of something they don't expect. They expect percussion, but you know, having a full drum set. It, in, in classical music or in composed pieces in general, it is really seen by a lot of people, I think, as, as maybe not strictly just a timekeeper, but a, as this kind of integral part of the rhythm section that isn't necessarily doing anything, aside from the occasional fill or solo, that is necessarily um, more in-depth than that, really, you know? Yeah, and and I mean, it's a, it's a tough, like, uh, if you go into the traditions of drummers through recorded history, there it, we can't even begin to discuss the amount of players that go of way beyond of course anything that we could even imagine that humans could do with the instrument you know there's such intellect and and um uh, yeah brilliance uh with with so many decades and decades and decades of, of players but yeah we don't associate it with with the world of sort of Western classical, what a lot of times we talk about contemporary music or new yeah. music, like you know, we just had the new music festival, these sort of modern composers. Um, yeah, so we don't associate it with that. But what's uh, interesting is the, the drum kit, since even the, the 20s or so, 1920s, has been incorporated into orchestras by com like French composers like Darius Mio. Um, Stravinsky kind of drew from interesting elements of of the instrument but a lot of times you could pretty much call that appropriation because they're basically okay. using the instrument to represent uh, a style and you know in in europe in the 20s they were obsessed with with jazz sure as sort of this kind of way to free themselves from from composers before them so they would bring in people to play kit you know and write for this instrument to sort of reflect this style and, and that can be kind of prob problematic. Um, and so it was trying to find, and I, I've been fortunate enough to, you know, in this day and age to work with composers that have backgrounds, not just in classical composition, but they're, they're metalheads, they're obsessed yeah. with, you know, like every, every other genre and they understand um, the relevance and the deep history of the instrument. Uh, and that's been the kind of like the, that has to be at the the core of of it when you take it into this context of classical music. Let's say um, it only really works to the the fullest degree when the people that are all involved, the composers and everybody, also understand where this instrument comes from and sure. and the history of it. Yeah. Well, and I think that it's interesting too because I've definitely listened to music that has very very complex drumming and 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 percussion yeah. and definitely has. I mean. It, you mentioned jazz a few minutes ago. I think that's one of the genres where drummers have kind of been given leeway to to just go off and sort of, you know, reinterpret what people expect to hear out of the instrument. And I mean, 
metal as well. You get some really extreme stuff where, where the drums are at the forefront and they're doing things that, you know, most people don't even realize you can do at the speeds and the intensity and everything like that. But I guess like for you, what was the introduction to, to taking drums into this direction? Because I, I, I assume I might be wrong, but I assume you got into drums the same way most people do play the instrument, which is, you know, listening to music where it's a little bit more straight ahead and a little bit more sort of the, the expected way that drums are meant to be played. Yeah. I, I you know, I, I got into music. I, I'm obsessed with music because of, well, I'm obsessed with music because of drums and I'm also obsessed with drums because of just diving into music and my brother, older brothers and sisters, you know, giving me unforgettable fire and me like uh, hearing Larry Mullen Jr. and U2 for the first time and, and then hearing, you know, I, I won't even get into everybody, but you know, yeah, through, through recorded music and yeah. through the drum kit, that's where I fell in love with, with being a performer and a musician. Um, and then I got oddly interested in like wanting to play timpani and marimba and, and, you know, all that kind of stuff and playing in, in the setting of chamber music where you're working okay. with conductors and, and, other musicians that really fascinated me and uh, felt like something I wanted to be a part of, but there was this sort of um, separation between this instrument that basically made me the listener and the player and the, you know, the lover of music that I was as, you know, as a young adult or whatever. Um, and then this world of academia and classically trained performers that these two places did not coexist. And the, the drummers that I did know that were in these settings, like, you know, I went to McGill uh, for my undergrad and there's the jazz department and those sure. were the drummers. And then there was the classical department and that was us that were training to be, you know, play in orchestras and, um, but there was no sort of crossing of those two. And, and that was just the sort of the reality. So I kind of, I started to lose touch with this instrument that as a kid I played in bands and um, in my early uh, adult life I was touring around with different groups in Winnipeg. Um, and so there's kind of a point sort of in the late, like 2005 or so, where I was fed up with turning down uh, a touring gig or, or, or like a night at the King's Head or something playing yeah. a drum kit because I needed to take the symphony gig and uh, because it was a union musician's page, sure. you know, sure. and, and started thinking like, why can't I play drum kit? in context of these these chamber groups and, and and work with composers. And so I started doing commissioning where asking composers to write for me and working with like uh, applying to Manitoba Council, uh, Arts yeah. Council, things like that. And just to kind of slowly start to try to integrate the two. Um, and I was living in Winnipeg uh, at that time and, and a great organization, Groundswell, uh, that puts on like the, the new music uh, yeah. series every yeah. year has for many, many decades. Um, they start programming and letting me premiere works for drum kit and electronics. And all of a sudden it was, oh, this, this can actually coexist in this realm of, of this, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, I keep on going back to the classical music just because it's the most clear. It works though, right? I mean, it definitely yeah. defines a, a really broad <laughs> set, yeah. a set yeah. of genres yeah. of music. Yeah, right. Yeah. The trouble is, like, you know, I, I now that I'm back in Winnipeg, I'm subbing with the the symphony and and doing going back to that role a lot, and I love it. But I I also see a big difference between my practice and that tradition. You know, so sure. using that word sometimes throws me a little bit. But it, you know. 
One thing that kind of um, just to talk about your your record, the uh, Tana of Choice record, yeah, um, that was the one that I discovered on Bandcamp, and, and the reason that I it kind of uh, twigged my interest was because, first of all, the the description that it's for a drum kit, uh, and uh, you know, again, I'm I'm making the uh, assumption that drums are are limited where they're they're obviously not, but just the sort of, and this is for for lack of of the the technical knowledge of what you're doing, but it's so much more melodic than. I think a lot of people would expect out of drums because there is this assumption that it's just keeping time. It's strictly a rhythm instrument. It, it can't, but it obviously can. I mean, like there, there's so much more kind of um, depth to it that, that in listening to that record, it comes very clear that you can, the drums are as, as evocative as any other instrument when they're used in a certain way. So how do you, um, I imagine that writing, uh, I mean, I know, I know you said you've been working with the composers too, but just, just coming up with, with melodic pieces on drums has got to be a different sort of mindset than, than approaching it from a piano or a guitar or any of the more sort of traditionally melodic instruments, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah, you know, you're not dealing with set pitches and, right. and, and if I played it on, on, you know, on this kit and then was in a somewhere else and with a back line or something, 
that's going to sound you know re fairly different. Uh, yeah, they won't be tuned or, the same way. Or another player plays it, and and that's the other thing. Like everybody's touch is so so different. Um, but like that that melodic element, like for me, my first introduction was probably from my my drum teacher back when I was a kid who played me Max Roach, uh, okay. the the drum solo, the drum also waltzes, where he, he plays in this three, four ostinato kind of repeating pattern with his feet. And this plays these lines, um, just, yeah, improvises over top, but has these they're clearly melodic themes that are happening um, through the toms and, and, and things like that. And that, yeah. that is, you know, it's it exists it's been there yeah 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 jack dejanet does an amazing job with using symbols and um you know neil pert oh, yeah. it, it, i think he's a very melodic drummer but he's also using a massive kit but yeah. uh, and i won't get into neil pert because i could talk well his kit's about the size of my house so yeah <laughs> yeah 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 but um yeah most of like cause what i what i'm doing is is i'm really translating what's being written like i'm not an improviser okay. um my love is to have to have a relationship with a composer like the the album title katana of choice that track uh was written by nicole lise who okay. i've hey, been working with before right there's, there's uh, oh, your, uh, for, your yeah, for a very right? long time yeah um and she she comes from such a massive background of you know, of being like into 80s metal and things and and now writes for Kronos Quartet or San Francisco Symphony and it's yeah. had things in BBC and, you know, everything. Um, but she works with this idea of sort of extending the palette of the drum kit into a melodic area by bringing in actual melodic instruments. So right. like in that piece, I'm hitting, I'm hitting a, a guitar, um, a glockenspiel. Uh, and sometimes she, she inserts those instruments, those melodic elements into the role of like where a snare drum normally would be kind of on, you know, an arrhythmic sense, but also now there's a pitched replacement inside. Right. So it's right. kind of expanding it. Yeah. Do those, uh, I mean, do those pieces on that record, do they work the same way live? Like, is there a lot of overdubbing on that? Or is that strictly something you can perform uh, I, in person? Yeah, I can per perform it in person. The, the That particular piece, which is all of side two, right. um, when we first performed it, it was just me and and the percussion quartet torque uh, who who are on the album um when we did the the recording we used a click track just to sort of lock things in and but we still did it live i didn't okay. do any i may have done like smallest smallest little things of overdubs but all live. Right. yeah
so I guess you have the kind of the the joint uh, responsibility with some of this type of stuff where you're doing something melodic and you're also doing that basic keeping time thing. I mean, you're, you're still playing drums in yeah. the traditional sense while also doing this on top of that. Is, is that, do you have to split your brain like into different parts to, to, do, to focus on the different elements or does it all just kind of come naturally at this point to you? Uh, not at first. I think at first, uh, again, if we're going back to Nikki's the Nicole, these eight piece or, but pretty much any of them, the rhythmic aspect, you can always trace back to, um, you know, like there's a shuffle and, and I, I hear Steve Gadd uh, or I hear Bernard Purdy or okay. like a, there's a paradiddle groove and, you know, and I, I can think of like 50 ways to leave a lover, you know, these tunes um, and with, with composers that have that, that background in, in popular music and they're ready for the drum kit. Um, yeah. You'll see like, Oh, this is a blast beat, but this is a blast beat being played at like pianissimo. So right, right. you, yeah. So it's, you're kind of in this weird context, but you have to first kind of draw from history and from from the the language of the instrument, and then figure out how to do it in the context of these strange sort of extended techniques. So right. that was like when I went back to do um, I went back to Montreal in 2010 for a, for a doctorate, and it was really I just needed time to work on technique again. Now that I was seeing the possibilities of the instrument. I wanted to be able to play double kicks and I wanted, you know, but I wanted to be able to play them at, at the quietest volume and do crescendos and think or play quintuplets and, you know, control things in ways that I was starting to see that composers, uh, and particularly Nicolise that I keep coming back to because yeah. just the amount of music that we've done together. Um, I was seeing these, like these techniques that I lacked um, and wanted to sort of refine. <laughs> uh, yeah. But it's but you have to know where the stuff comes from uh, and then place it within the sort of the new the new language. That's interesting. So have, having a background where, where you have listened to to metal and jazz and all of these different styles and pop music and everything, that all kind of helps build up the like the, the vocabulary of, of, of playing these kind of pieces. Yeah, absolutely. And it. I, for me, I find that like the, there are other people playing, and and there's more drum kit within this context of of uh, notated music. And right. as a teacher in university, after I finished the doctorate, I was teaching at McGill, and some of my students were starting to want to learn some of this stuff. And you know, not everyone uh, can approach it the same way. And and the the trick is once it starts moving into this world of of percussion performance not everyone has the same depth of background. So right. there's, I, I found it kind of my job as, as a teacher kind of coaching people in this rep was to sort of encourage them like, okay, have you, have you listened to, um, you know, I don't know what, like Meshuggah or like, let's, let's listen to some blast beats and like, you know, I'm going to give you some exercises on it because that not everybody comes from all of that. Totally. Yeah, you know? yeah. So you get kind of protective of it because it's like, you don't know, understand. You know, if you don't listen to Steely Dan, and you know, <laughs> and I don't know. It's tricky. Yeah. What is that like? I, I guess as a as a teacher, knowing you're introducing people who maybe have spent their whole life in the classical academic kind of world, and then you're, you know, here's a blast beat. Like, <laughs> what what does that feel like to to start introducing them to something that is so far potentially out of their like realm of of knowledge of music? Yeah, mostly it's it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and and they're they're so excited too, you know. And 
Uh, I'm teaching now a little bit at just a, a few students at the University of Manitoba and, um, you know, and they know my background. So we go from working on uh, some four mallet technique on marimba to them wanting to develop their, their feet on drum kit. And yeah, getting, um, having people sort of know that they have that option with me is, is really rewarding. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So with all the stuff that you have going on right now, I mean, you're teaching, you said you're, you're sitting in with the symphony, you, you have all the, all these different projects on the go. What is sort of your um, plan going forward? I mean, that record that we've been talking about, was released a few years ago. I know yeah. you've been involved in many other projects before and since, but sort of what is the next big plan for you? Do you have uh, another project that you're <laughs> sort of working towards? I've actually, um, <laughs> I've sort of, I'm cut, uh, you know, like many people during the pandemic, you know, we we all sort of started to, you know, kind of look at things. Yeah. Uh, and my, my partner and I, we moved back to Winnipeg during that time. Um, and we we're pretty burnt. And I've talked to a lot of drummers here and, and also back in Montreal that like kind of were just sort of relieved at that point to, to not be yeah. just hustling uh, for gigs and traveling and stuff. Um, so part of my goal now has been to actually sort of be a little bit more grounded. Um, I've actually wanted to get back to just playing the kit as, as like, uh, so I'm playing in a metal band um, that we're, we're writing some new songs. We're called Death Forge. Um, there's a few, there's a few videos I think on YouTube. We're just kind of getting things sorted. Uh, but it, just like playing the instrument as the instrument within the context that I, I grew up and loved and yeah. playing in a, a top 40 cover band uh called 10 years on that plays at the, you know playing at the kings in a, a couple saturdays right on. um so getting back to some of that um and then i have some sort of bigger projects uh, another nicole Lise, um sort of online multimedia piece i'm going to be oh, going cool. out to austin uh manitoba where my uh actually my partner's from her family has a farm there and i'm going to be doing some double kicks on on farm equipment and hay hay bales that's and awesome. re recording some stuff that's going to be uh, turned into a piece that she's making. Um, the quartet that I, I brought you a record of, I think, yeah. uh, Architect Percussion. I'm going to be touring with them in um, in Norway and uh, Sweden and oh, wow. things like that in, in the early fall. So some kind of long-term things like that. But right yeah. now, very focused in Winnipeg and, yeah. Is that group based out of Quebec? Do I have that right? Yeah, yeah. They're from Montreal. I met them all at, at McGill. They were studying at uh, the same time that I was. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah.
so you, you have a lot on the go, obviously, which is great. I mean, I think you're right about the pandemic. A lot of people um, who were playing shows constantly or constantly writing or whatever, they, they kind of took it as an opportunity to, whether it's focus on one thing or, or just get that downtime that yeah. maybe they haven't had from, you know, a decade of straight touring. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, it's enforced break, but actually a useful one. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, it just kind of gives you a chance to sort of refocus a little bit. And um, yeah, I learned to scratch. <laughs> I, I got some turntables. I've always wanted to, to you know, mix, you know, doing yeah. just like, just being just pure fun for a little while that isn't based on a contract or, or something, you know. It was really <laughs> lovely. Well, I was I'm embarrassed ask. to have said that last part, though. No, no, no. Well, you, you, have, a, you have a DJ side gig, right? Yeah, I, I, I sometimes uh, I go by uh, Sankaset, uh, DJ Sankaset, and during the pandemic, pretty much every Friday uh, for two years, and then actually uh, it's kind of slowed down because I haven't had time uh, since, you know, real-world things have been back. But, yeah, yeah would, would do a, a set with my friends and just chat and – it was all theme based, so every week was a different theme, and I have a pretty big record collection, so it was kind of a chance to just like, yeah, reflect on, on the music I have in my home. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. At, at this point, you know, the good thing about this being a podcast, someone could hear it uh, the day it comes out, they could hear it a year from now. What's mm. the best way to find out what you're doing uh, as far as maybe potential performances or where people can hear your music that's already out? Right. I, you know, these days I'm mostly focused on just I post things pretty regularly on social media on instagram is a great way to just connect with me uh which is bn rhymer uh but um i have a website benrhymer.com i've been really horrible about updating it but you can get all my links you know to social media yeah. there too and um for a while i was really pumping out uh some drum uh videos on youtube i saw some uh, of those I was watching yeah I was, I was doing once a week i was doing a drum cover and then again just you know work which I'm so grateful for, and, and of course, yeah, and, yeah. and yeah, being able to work in the city is wonderful. Uh, but yeah, I, I got lazy on the drum covers. But you can find me on YouTube as well if you just search Ben Reimer. Yeah. Awesome. And then, you, yeah. like we said at the beginning, you have kind of um, this extensive list of credits on, on records that are your own or groups you've been in or playing with other people. Is the website the best place to find that kind of um, discography? Yeah, it's all there. Uh, you could go to Bandcamp as well. And it's all there. Um, I I even have like the the nineties, the lanes. I have like digital, you know, uh, copies of that stuff up there. But you can buy my record, um, yeah, um, on Bandcamp if you just awesome. search Ben Reimer. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Thank you.